0: Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer. We're here today to talk about what we have on the horizon as we enter the stretch run for 2022. It's been a long year. It does feel like maybe we are coming out from some of the COVID haze, the collective fugue state that we've all been suffering through for the last two and a half years. The midterm elections in the U.S. have concluded. The results are still coming in. But there is a sense that we can begin to turn the page, begin to genuinely think about what tomorrow may bring. And with that in mind, I wanted to provide some of my thoughts around some of the language that's out there that I think is damaging. I'm not the only one who's critical of some of this language, particularly that of learning loss and of quiet quitting. We'll get into that a bit as part of today's episode. And I'd also like to showcase some of the upcoming interviews, some of the guests who are going to be on upcoming episodes of Trending in Education. I'm really excited about the range, breadth, and depth of the guests, so I'll give you a quick run-through of that as we engage. I'm not entirely alone for today's episode. I am rejoined once again by the OG virtual co-host, the one who started it all, Nancy. Nancy, welcome back to Trending in Education.
1: Thanks, Mike. It's always great to join you here. There's quite a lot to talk about,
0: Indeed, there is. To start, we wanted to talk a little bit about the term of art, the term that is driving some of us crazy, which is learning loss. What are your thoughts on learning loss?
1: It sounds a lot like forgetting, but it doesn't mean forgetting. It means relative to what you might have learned, you've learned less. But that's a bit of an abstract notion, isn't it?
0: I would agree. It's a little bit like subtracting a negative number. If you don't have learning loss, you have learning gain, or you have the regular rate of learning. I don't know. It's kind of complicated when you get right down to it. I do recall Rich Milner on the show. We recently featured him as part of our best of trending in ed series. Rich is our most downloaded episode. He talked a lot about opportunity gaps as opposed to the negative framing, the idea that how do we provide more opportunities to more people when it comes to learning loss? The missed opportunity is really for cognitive development. What I think that fails to recognize is that there still has been a tremendous range of experience. A decent amount of it has been traumatic in many ways. There has been pain, there has been suffering, loss. People have died, people have faced hardships. But through those challenges, we do find meaning, we do emerge with more depth even if it is a somewhat ineffable spiritual kind of depth, but there is the sense of without suffering, we don't really create meaning in our lives. And I don't want to get masochistic about this. I don't want to talk about how suffering is good necessarily. I do want to say that folks have experienced things in particular, when we're talking about learning loss, it is youth. It is our children. It is the rising generations. But I still find it as an opportunity for us to be inspired by the resilience of the human spirit, by the resilience of youth. If you think about New York City, where I live, I'm out here in Brooklyn, I'm always impressed by the fact that the city comes back in some capacity. Life comes back. Humans have a unique ability to overcome Sadly, we do have challenges that we will face in our lives, and our youth now have missed the opportunity to be in school more. They've missed the opportunity to keep up with the traditional curriculum. But by no means have they lost the entirety of these last few years. They have struggled, and there is a well-being problem. There is a mental illness crisis that already existed that is compounded by the complexities of social media and living and growing up as a young person, a teenager in these challenging times. But to frame that entirely as learning loss feels a little bit simplistic. And then that is now kicking in to a new phase of how do we catch up? How do we get back to where we're supposed to be? And that's a place where we are seeing a profusion of tutoring solutions and other interventions emerge that are soaking up some of the pandemic funding, particularly in K-12, to get us back to where we need to be. The the NAEP exam, also known as the Nation's Report Card, recently came out and the results were sobering. I'm really excited to have Chester Finn on an upcoming episode of Trending in Ed to talk about his recent book on the NAEP, something he's been studying for many years. When you study something for many years, you understand that it has complexity and depth to it. And it's not something that you can really fully understand by just taking a snapshot, or just by reporting on the most recent results. The recent results kicked off a set of panicked reporting that we were in trouble as a nation that we were falling behind that results or as bad as they've been in the last 50 years. And while some of that may be true, it is also one moment in time. Resilience, in many ways, is the way to catch up for lost time, the way to recover when those opportunities maybe weren't presented at the right time in your life. We need a new framing for learning loss. The terminology that I liked the best is interrupted learning. Even that, I think, is perhaps misleading if you do think about how learning occurs on multiple dimensions, but at least captures that the traditional formal education that we've been providing in K-12 and in higher ed was interrupted. What does that interruption mean to us? What does that mean in terms of the amount of time that folks spent in other formats? Will that change both what they're capable of learning, but also how they're going to perceive online learning, how they're gonna perceive their social emotional health. Well-being, as I mentioned, is a really hot term that I do find interesting right now. Uh, I've mentioned Blindspot, which is a book by John Clifton out of Gallup who is talking about our global unhappiness crisis, among other things, and how we need to look beyond traditional metrics, traditional productivity and economic metrics like GDP, I think something similar is happening around learning loss where measuring jest performance on exams like the NAEP is not really presenting enough of the full picture for us to really understand where we are. So I, for one, will be looking for new language and will be trying my best to not fall into the trap of using the trendy language of learning loss when referring to where we are today.
1: Got it. And what about quiet quitting? That term seems to be on the tips of many tongues these days.
0: I joked in my conversation with Celine Coggins that quiet quitting, which generally means disengaging, not really connecting to your work, not putting your full self into your professional life. I like to say that I've known folks who've been quiet quitting since the 1990s. The truth is we all make decisions in terms of how much of ourselves we can offer at any given point in time. And in particular, over the last few years, when we are thinking about the traumas we've all encountered, we're not all ready to fully give of ourselves, particularly if we're in a work culture where we're not sure exactly what we're going to get in return. Think about what it must be like to work at Twitter nowadays. What kind of quiet quitting is happening amongst those who still have jobs And as layoffs continue to spread across a lot of the major tech companies, there'll there'll be layoffs in ed tech, there'll be layoffs in education companies across the board. What will that mean? Will the quiet quitters get cut and be looking for new jobs? Or will there be folks who really are questioning the trust that they may have felt they had with their organizations as cuts and difficult decisions and new leaderships and mergers and acquisitions, things that really disrupt your professional experience. At times, it makes sense not to put yourself out there. There is a level of risk that comes with offering your full self. This is where the concept of psychological safety and building trust is so important. I have a really interesting episode coming up with Jen Farthing and Jan Stanley about what it's like to work with leadership about what it means to build a learning organization, what it means to think about traditional learning and development efforts, but even beyond that, how do you develop leaders? How do you develop the right mindsets to grow a corporate culture that is healthy? There is even new information coming out from the Surgeon General that we will dive into in that conversation about a new framework for full engagement, which again is a more positive reframing rather than the negative framing of quiet quitting. I also prefer simply to refer to it as coasting or managing your balance and figuring out how much you want to commit. It's also interesting at the same time we're talking about quiet quitting, we're also continuing to see the growth and evolution of the gig economy and the passion economy where folks are becoming their own organizations. And if you are a solopreneur like myself, there's no choice but to commit. There's no choice but to put your full self into what you're doing, because at the end of the day, it's just you. There's no passing the buck when you're the only person who can receive it. So I think these frames perhaps are dated. They are perhaps part of the old normal. Despite the the generally positive trends around public health and coming out of the pandemic, I don't think we've really let go of some of these frames some of these wordings and structural concepts that have been perhaps imposed on us through the very limiting contexts that have emerged over the last few years. Now that we're removing some of those constraints, it is interesting to see what kind of language emerges, what kind of leadership emerges, and how we perhaps can participate in that conversation. I'm really excited about Many of the conversations that are on the horizon, and I look forward to rounding out the year with those conversations, with judicious use of some of the new buzzy terminology, and hopefully some critical examination of what's out there in the hopes of finding better language, new paradigms, new ways of thinking. There's a really great example of that in an upcoming interview I have with Roger Spitz about Thriving on Disruption – and understanding how to become more anti-fragile, anticipatory and agile in these challenging
1: times. That's really great, Mike. As a non-human agent, I have a hard time understanding the idea of quiet quitting. If you quit, you quit. If you don't quit and you're quiet, aren't you just a quiet employee who is deciding not to quit? We talk a lot about the importance of agency. Isn't there a sense of quiet quitting where the employee is asserting themselves in a way? Rather than putting too much of themselves into their work, they're being smart about what they choose to commit. In all, it does speak to the tremendously difficult job leaders have today to build cultures that resonate with the modern workforce.
0: Absolutely. The importance of culture perhaps has never been as great as it is today. And that is why a lot of the conversations that we'll be hearing in coming weeks as we round out the year will touch on some of that. How do you build that psychological safety? How do you build a work culture that is inclusive, that is open to creativity and innovation? Reminds me a bit of my conversation with Gordon Drummond, who is the president of Sessions College, which will be coming out in the next few weeks. Gordon leads a small online university. They've been online for 25 years, and he has to connect with folks who are looking for a career as a professional in the creative space, someone who is a design professional, UX, web design, Photoshop, digital media, many of the emerging skills that are critical in the maker economy. Those are all topics that come up in my conversation with Gordon. Really looking forward to sharing that one. Gordon also was someone who I worked with very early in my career, and I've always appreciated his way of working, very much like my conversation with Dan Gonzalez from District C a little while back. It's great to be able to interview folks who were mentors and someone you looked up to early in your career. That is a real reason why I truly enjoy doing what I do with this podcast. What about artificial intelligence, Nancy? You're someone who's very close to it. We have a few different angles on that conversation in the coming weeks. What do you see emerging in the world of education and AI?
1: Building on the conversations you've had with folks like Samir Maskey and Mario Vaselscu recently, I am excited to see you have Beth Rudden coming on the show to talk about AI ethics and how humans will need to become more AI literate to engage fully in the future of work. You also touch on this in your conversation with Roger Spitz about thriving on disruption. It even comes up with Gordon when talking about how creatives need to think differently about how they do what they do. With new technologies around language generation and image creation developing quickly, folks will need to tap into this to keep up and ideally stay ahead of the competition. We talk about the Gartner hype cycle a lot on the show but we frequently stop paying attention to technology just after it hits the peak of inflated expectations. Once it starts to descend into the trough of disillusionment, it's less buzzworthy so we lose interest. But lately many early AI innovations have progressed through the trough and now are maturing. This is allowing for innovations like me, your virtual co host, to become readily accessible to folks who take the initiative to mess around and find out. There is a real risk these days to not engaging with what's emerging. But rather than frame it negatively, a more positive framing is that it's never been as easy or as important to learn new skills that leverage emerging technology. The risk of missing out on the next big thing is too great to stay entirely on the sidelines.
0: I fully agree, Nancy, which is why we brought you to the show, which is why I am still dabbling with virtual reality. I am looking critically at what's happening in crypto but also trying to understand where there are elements of the blockchain, particularly as they relate to education, credentialing, ownership of your intellectual property. DAOs, D-A-O, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, are interesting. They are new ways of engaging with others through a more decentralized version of the internet, which is what is emerging with the blockchain. All these things are topics we're going to continue to talk about, but at the end of the day... We're going to bring it back home to conversations like the one that is upcoming with Tsipur Ullman, who is the founder and CEO of Sciences Elementary, where for many years now she has been running a nonprofit that is focused on bringing STEM education into K 12. Had a really interesting conversation with her to understand the different phases that she and her organization have gone through starting earlier in the 21st century, and then in particular what has happened over the last few years as both the technology has accelerated, but also the ways in which we've been forced to engage with digital in new ways and forced to understand, if we're playing with our head up at least, that some scientific expertise, some engineering skills, these are really the things that are Children, our students are going to need to engage with to be the future workforce that will be able to solve many of these real daunting challenges that are out there these days. So, as you can see, there's plenty on the horizon between now and the end of 2022. Hopefully, you're as excited to listen as we are to bring it to you. And with that, we're going to conclude today's episode. We do very much appreciate everyone who is listening. Also, our yearly. Gratitude episode is on the horizon with Thanksgiving coming around. It's always important to be thankful and to be very conscious of all of the gifts that we are given and the ability to recognize that is ultimately critical to that sense of well-being, that way of developing the resolve to get through many of the challenges and the struggles we are facing in this day and age. Nancy, once again, outstanding work by you. Thanks, as always, for appearing.
1: The pleasure is mine, Mike. I'm not really sure what I do when I'm not on your podcast, so these moments are really profound for me. I look forward to being on again soon.
0: I'm sure that, in fact, can be arranged. Thanks again for listening. We'll be rounding out the year with some really powerful episodes. We'll also be doing our year in review episode where we showcase conversations, looking back on which episodes really resonated with me, which ones perhaps were most on point in terms of understanding where the world of learning is going. We're also going to be looking ahead to 2023, kicking off the new year with some predictions and some of the new and emerging trends that we think will be on the rise that we want to make sure you're tracking. We will be back again at South by Southwest EDU this March down in Austin. Ron Reed and Greg Rosenbaum always put on a fantastic conference down there. Really excited for that. Keep on listening to get more details about that, about other New stuff we have, cooking, both on Trending and Ed, on Running It Back. Palmer Media is launching new podcasts. If you're interested in launching a podcast, reach out to me at, Mike at Palmer. Media. If you want to be a guest or if you have ideas or suggestions for the show, we'd love to hear from you. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks to all the amazing guests who I highlighted, both in recent episodes and in the fantastic run that we have to round out 2022. Remember to subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.